0: Essay 13 of The Last Essays of Elia, by Charles Lamb. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A recording by Tony Addison. Barbara Shaw On the noon of the 14th of November, 1743 or 4, i forget which it was just as the clock had struck one barbara shaw with her accustomed punctuality ascended the long rambling staircase with awkward interposed landing-places which led to the office or rather a sort of box with a desk in it whereat sat the then treasurer of what few of our readers may remember the old bath theatre all over the island it was the custom and remains so i believe to this day for the players to receive their weekly stipend on the saturday it was not much that barbara had to claim this little maid had just entered her eleventh year. But her important station at the theatre, as it seemed to her, with the benefits which she felt to accrue from her pious application of her small earnings, had given an air of womanhood to her steps, and to her behaviour. You would have taken her to have been at least five years older." till latterly she had merely been employed in choruses, or where children were wanted to fill up the scene. But the manager, observing a diligence and adroitness in her above her age, had, for some few months past, entrusted to her the performance of whole parts. YOU MAY GUESS THE SELF-CONSEQUENCE OF THE PROMOTED BARBARA. SHE HAD ALREADY DRAWN TEARS IN YOUNG ARTHUR, HAD RALLIED RICHARD WITH INFANTINE PETULANCE IN THE DUKE OF YORK, AND IN HER TURN HAD REBUKED THAT PETULANCE WHEN SHE WAS PRINCE OF WALES she would have done the elder child in morton's pathetic afterpiece to the life but as yet the children in the wood was not long after this little girl was grown an aged woman i have seen some of these small parts each making two or three pages at most copied out in the rudest hand of the then-prompter, who doubtless transcribed a little more carefully and fairly for the grown-up tragedy-ladies of the establishment. But such as they were, blotted and scrawled as for a child's use, she kept them all, and in the zenith of her after-reputation it was a delightful sight to behold them bound up in costliest Morocco, each single, each small part making a book, with fine clasps, gilt splashed, etc. She had conscientiously kept them as they had been delivered to her, not a blot had been effaced or tampered with. They were precious to her, for their affecting remembrancings. They were her principia, her rudiments, the elementary atoms, the little steps by which she pressed forward to perfection. What, she would say, could Indian rubber or a pumice stone have done for these darlings i am in no hurry to begin my story indeed i have little or none to tell so i will just mention an observation of hers connected with that interesting time not long before she died i had been discoursing with her on the quantity of real present emotion, which a great tragic performer experiences during acting. I venture to think that though in the first instance such players must have possessed the feelings which they so powerfully called up in others, yet by frequent repetition those feelings must become deadened in great measure and the performer trust to the memory of past emotion rather than express a present one she indignantly repelled the notion that with a truly great tragedium the operation by which such effects were produced upon an audience could ever degrade itself into what was purely mechanical with a much delicacy, avoiding to instance in herself experience she told me that so long ago as when she used to play the part of the little son to Mrs. Porter's Isabella, I think it was, when that impressive actress has been bending over her in some heart-rending colloquy, she has felt real hot tears come trickling from her, which, to use her powerful expression, have perfectly scolded her back. I am not quite so sure that it was Mrs. Porter, but it was some great actress of that day. The name is indifferent, but the fact of the scalding tears i most distinctly remember i was always fond of the society of players and am not sure that an impediment in my speech which certainly kept me out of the pulpit even more than certain personal disqualifications which are often got over in that profession did not prevent me at one time of life from adopting it i have had the honour i must ever call it once to have been admitted to the tea-table of miss kelly i have played at serious whist with mr listen i have chatted with ever good-humoured mrs charles campbell I have conversed as friend to friend with her accomplished husband. I have been indulged with a classical conference with MacReady, and with a sight of the player-picture gallery at Mrs. Matthews, when the kind owner, to remunerate me for my love of the old actors, whom he loves so much, went over it with me, supplying to his capital collection what alone the artist could not give them, voice, and their living motion. Old tones, half-faded, of Dodd and Parsons and Baddeley, have lived again for me at his bidding only edwin he could not restore to me i have supped with but i am growing a coxcomb as i was about to say at the desk of the then treasurer of the old bath theatre not diamonds presented herself the little barbara shaw the parents of barbara had been in reputable circumstances. The father had practised, I believe, as an apothecary in the town. But his practice, from causes which I feel my own infirmity too sensibly that way to arraign, or perhaps from that pure infelicity which accompanies some people in their walk through life and which it is impossible to lay at the door of imprudence, was now reduced to nothing. They were in fact in the very teeth of starvation, when the manager, who knew and respected them in better days, took the little Barbara into his company. At the period I commenced with, her slender earnings were the sole support of the family, including two younger sisters. I must throw a veil over some mortifying circumstances. Enough to say that her Saturday's pittance was the only chance of a Sunday's, generally their only, meal of meat. One thing I will only mention, that in some child's part, where, in her theatrical character, she was to sup off a roast fowl, o oh joy to Barbara, some comic actor who was afore the-night caterer for the dainty, in the misguided humour of his part, threw over the dish such a quantity of salt, oh grief and pain of heart to barbara that when he crammed a portion of it into her mouth she was obliged sputteringly to reject it and what with shame of her ill-acted part and pain of real appetite at missing such a dainty her little heart sobbed almost to breaking till a flood of tears which the well-fed spectators were totally unable to comprehend, mercifully relieved her. This was the little starved, meritorious maid, who stood before old Ravenscroft, the treasurer, for her Saturday's payment. Ravenscroft was a man I have heard many old theatrical people besides herself say of all men least calculated for a treasurer he had no head for accounts paid away at random kept scarce any books and summing up at the week's end if he found himself a pound or so deficient blessed himself that it was no worse now Barbara's weekly stipend was a bare half-guinea. By mistake, he popped into her hand a whole one. Barbara tripped away. She was entirely unconscious at first of the mistake. God knows, Ravenscroft would never have discovered it. But, when she had got down to the first of those uncouth landing-places she became sensible of an unusual weight of metal pressing her little hand now mark the dilemma she was by nature a good child from her parents and those about her she had imbibed no contrary influence but then they had taught her nothing poor men's smoky cabins are not always porticoes of moral philosophy this little maid had no instinct to evil but then she might be said to have no fixed principle she had heard honesty commended but never dreamed of its application to herself. She thought of it as something which concerned grown-up people, men and women. She had never known temptation, or thought of preparing resistance against it. Her first impulse was to go back to the old treasurer, and explain to him his blunder. He was already so confused with age, besides a natural want of punctuality, that she would have had some difficulty in making him understand it. She saw that in an instant. And then it was such a bit of money. And then the image of a larger allowance of butcher's meat on their table next day came across her, till her little eyes glistened, and her mouth moistened. But then Mr. Ravenscroft had always been so good-natured, had stood her friend behind the scenes, and even recommended her promotion to some of her little parts. But again, the old man was reputed to be worth a world of money. He was supposed to have fifty pounds a year clear of the theatre and then came staring upon her the figures of her little stockingless and shoeless sisters and when she looked at her own neat white cotton stockings which her situation at the theatre had made it indispensable for her mother to provide for her with hard straining and pinching from the family stock, and thought how glad she should be to cover their poor feet with the same, and how then they could accompany her to rehearsals, which they had hitherto been precluded from doing by reason of their unfashionable attire. In these thoughts she reached the second landing-place, the second I mean from the top, for there was still another left to traverse. Now virtue support Barbara! And that never-failing friend did step in, for at that moment a strength not her own, I have heard her say, was revealed to her, a reason above reasoning, and without her own agency, as it seemed, for she never felt her feet to move. She found herself transported back to the individual desk she had just quitted, and her hand in the old hand of Ravenscroft, who in silence took back the refunded treasure, and who had been sitting, good man, insensible to the lapse of minutes, which to her were anxious ages, and from that moment a deep peace fell upon her heart, and she knew the quality of honesty. A year or two's unrepining application to her profession brightened up the feet and the prospects of her little sisters, set the whole family upon their legs again, and released her from the difficulty of discussing moral dogmas upon a landing-place. I have heard her say that it was a surprise, not much short of mortification to her, to see the coolness with which the old man pocketed the difference which had caused her such mortal throes this anecdote of herself i had in the year eighteen hundred from the mouth of the late mrs crawford then sixty-seven years of age she died soon after A footnote the maiden name of this lady was street which she changed by successive marriages for those of Dancer, Barry, and Crawford. She was Mrs. Crawford, and a third time a widow, when I knew her. And to her struggles, upon this childish occasion, I have sometimes ventured to think her indebted for that power of rending the heart in the representation of conflicting emotions for which in after years she was considered as little inferior if at all so in the part of lady randolph even to mrs siddons end of essay thirteen